to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Leo Roundtable, leoroundtable.com. Yes, we are a live show produced from the Boss Hog Radio Network Studios in Plant City, Florida. So uh, thanks for being with us. Let me introduce our panelists. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have attorney Anthony Bandero. Thanks for being on here. Also, Captain Brett Bartlett. Uh, it, it looked like he was clapping, doing an air clap for Anthony, but it was really, he does it for himself. You know, it's just his timing's a little off. Uh, hey, also a shout out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP, GallsGunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, and we are fueled by Bang Energy. Also, our content is on Free Press with Brian Burns and, hey, Red Voice Media with Ray Dietrich. They not only carry our content, but they're a great source for our content as well. So, uh, thanks to all those entities for helping make the show happen. Hey, we have another great lineup for you. Look, uh, if you're with the Boss Hog Radio Network, since we're broadcasting, you know, uh, locally within your area, and the show's treated live through uh, through other stations across the country because we're nationally syndicated. Uh, look, thanks for giving us your lunch hour, that 12 to 1 o'clock p.m. time slot. We're going to cover all the news that happened in the last 24-hour period and all the issues, but we're going to do it from a law enforcement perspective making you the uh, most informed people in the office and the workplace after the lunch hour. People are going to wonder, you know, how you got a hold of all this information, how you got so smart over lunchtime. So look, Police One, uh, there is a, they have a podcast called Policing Matters, and Jay Wadsworth um, talks on the failure to control combative subjects. And here's a subquote saying the number one problem is training. So Jim and Jay, who are on the podcast, they discuss uh, police training, uh, deficits and officer confidence. They also uh, talk about the carotid restraint technique, which is uh, most commonly referred to as a chokehold, but that is not an accurate uh, term. And they talk about a lot more. And it goes on to say that, unfortunately, we are so uh, belt and tool dependent uh, that our belief is that you should be verbal, de-escalation, and hands-on control dependent. And then your belt and tools assist you when you have to escalate up from that point. And the thing that we do on a daily basis in this country is that we put our hands on people to protect others. We just don't uh, have those skills to do that. And that is the biggest problem. Uh, we are not building technicians. We want to make problem solvers. You know, I thought, I know it's a podcast. I don't usually cover things that are on, you know, a, another another show. But I, I really thought that this was worth repeating and talking about. Um, and, and look, we cover uses of force every day. Captain Bartlett. You know, years ago, one of our local state attorneys said this in a, in a public announcement. He says, if you resist one of my officers, you're going to go to central booking via the hospital. And it was it was a great day for us. Not that we were brutal, nothing like that. It's just simply if you resist a police officer, understand there's going to be some pain involved, all caused by you, Mr. Bad Guy, all every bit of it caused by your behavior. We need to, and, and you know, that's training's my thing, Chip, and it just drives me crazy. We're not getting enough of it. They should reduce the number of things police learn as far as hands-on to four or five. Leave it, and then reinforce it all the time rather than having a flavor of the month, flavor of the year technique. Now, I don't agree with a guy that one hour a day is going to work. It's just, it's, you know, one hour a week is logistically difficult to get people together to do that. You've got... Um, You've got the fact that you have to fill zones. You've got the crime fight. You've got the union. You've got cops are in their 20th year. They don't want to get their spine snapped in training. You've got the fact that the actor role model uh, is not willing to get punched in the face to the point that blood comes out. But that's what needs to happen. There needs The training we get has to be more um, 
sorry to say it, violence-based. Well, for people watching the show, I'll, I'll tell you where Brett's coming from. He's talking about a limited number of techniques so that you have a proficiency level in doing those. When you, it's like you know, going to a restaurant and having a huge menu, and it's very difficult for the for the chef to keep up with everything. You want to limit that menu, make sure that they're like on top of everything, and everything coming out of that kitchen is like spot on. And yeah, you want you want the techniques, and you want them to know it to where they not even have to think about it. They should be able to do it and be on autopilot when they do that. So yeah, uh, since you use the restaurant now, you should have a five guys mentality and not a uh, not a Burns <laughs> mentality. Right. We, what do we sell? Fries, hot dogs uh, and a hamburger. That's it. It's all you're going to get. Uh, years ago, a guy, a, a researcher, uh, last name Hicks, came up with a thing called Hicks Law. And if I remember correctly, is the more options you have in an encounter, especially when you're when you're jacked up on fear and adrenaline, the more likely it is you won't pick any option. Yeah. And that's a shame. So when guys, and I was a defensive tactics instructor, so look, a lot of guys, you see a lot, look, I, I love uh, uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and, uh, you know, it's a, uh, look, there's a lot of great techniques out there. However, you want to be, I've never been a big fan of going out and getting your own training because you're only covered by your agency for using the techniques that they teach you, unless it's a life and death situation where really anything goes, including a chokehold or a chronic restraint or whatever. You can poke a guy's eyeball, eyeball out with your, ink pen if you have to, if you're in a life and death situation, really anything goes. But other than that, you've got to do what your agency has trained you to do. So yeah, we, uh, we typically, my agency, we don't do weapon strikes, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the head and the face area, you know, or even a weapon hand strike, you know, reaction hand can do that. We don't use the term weaker hand, uh, but the reaction hand. So there's little things that, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're in line with what your agency's teaching. So going out and getting that training, that additional training, unless that you're really a higher level guy, that can turn it on and turn it off, knowing you know what role or what hat you're wearing at the time. I, I I really don't recommend it. And then Brett, being a trainer, he knows that we they always call it you train to the twos. You know, a scale of one to ten, you've got always got twos in your class. People that you're gonna have to break it down. You're gonna have to make it. You're gonna have to you know um, make it uh, make it uh, what silly stupid or stupid silly or whatever. Um, you you want to make it very simple for these guys to be able to grasp onto the concept and make it very easy for them because not everybody is a level ten, a level eight, or whatever. Uh, Anthony, no, I, I, from a from a lawyer point of view, I really liked how you said like uh, too many choices. You got Hicks Law and all this kind of stuff. Like I often think that these defensive tactics training curriculum is designed by lawyers. Um, it's very clean, scripted, but in real life, it doesn't look like that. And when I was a trooper. Um, we had the six takedown methods, and these are all very complicated. I felt like I was an extortionist. And then when I got into the street and was ever involved in anything physical, it never looked like that. And I just felt like the people who designed that curriculum uh, just didn't really understand what what simply what works. So I, that's my one. Maybe it's kind of like firearms training, like shooting at paper targets for lawyers, not really for uh, for cops trying to defend themselves. The other thing I want to say is that um, – what I like about the article, like, you know, use of force and or just the, the, the ground fighting and stuff. That's not my forte. Um, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But the uh, what I like about the article is that it is reminding us that de-escalation, verbal de-escalation is only part of it. And it does work most of the time. But you need physical de-escalation and using your hands is part of physical de-escalation. Wow. Th- thanks, Anthony. You, a lot of these uh, these women in the Boss Hog radio listening area are now starting to to write in and they're asking for some contact information. So be thinking you may want to just hold something up on your screen. Or, yeah, you know. and please give it to them. I mean, I'm begging you. I just please. It doesn't happen too often. So I need it. 
All right. Well, uh, well, good, good commentary on this topic. I thought I'm, I'm glad the police one brought it up. So, uh, so anyhow, that is our professional take on this. We need more training. If you're talking about police reform, uh, please look. If it's training, we're all over it, and we can't get enough of it. And, and I, I'll tell you, it, it's a little bit annoying when you're in your work day and you've got to go. You know, maybe for a day uh, out of every six months, or a day a month, or maybe a whole week out of the year. I mean, Brett, remember what a what a pain in the rear end that was to do. And uh, from a staff point of view, I know that when you're a chief, assistant chief, or whatever, and you're just doing logistics, you want your manpower, you want your guys to be productive, you want them on the street. But realistically, if you want to bring department liability down, you actually have to get that training component in. So, yeah, you're going to have to have guys on task forces. You're going to have to have guys in the police academy getting that training. You may not like it, but you need it. Well, here's here's I'm about to make some people mad, Chip, in the training world. You train once a year for show. You train once a month or every two weeks for real. Once a year is for show. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, guys. Excellent, excellent content. You know, we've got a little over two minutes before our first commercial break. So let's uh, see what we got coming down the pike here next. Former officer Megan Hall actually follows a lawsuit, claims that she was groomed by fellow officers. Now, that name, if it doesn't sound familiar, it will in a second. She's a former Tennessee police officer who was forced off the department in disgrace after it was discovered that she slept with over 60, that's 6-0% of the force, and she's filed an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission complaint, an EEOC complaint against the city that she once protected. Officer Megan Hall, who became internationally known earlier this year for her, and I'm just reading from the article, guys, her outrageous sex scandal, claims that the hostile working conditions at the Laverne Police Department led her to eventually sleep with multiple men at the department. Multiple men, over half, okay? I mean, they're trying to kind of dummy it down a little bit, but yeah, multiple men, it was like 60% of the department, right? Hall claims that several of her supervisors groomed her and utilized her sexually without her consent. The former officer also claims that the chief of, pol- of the police department, uh, Chip Davis, was condoning this kind of grooming. Additionally, she claims that Davis asked her to dance for him in the office. I don't know what the problem is with that, Brett, but according to WSMV, a third-party investigation revealed that Davis, the chief, potentially violated federal law by not reporting sexual misconduct, and Hall, our female, went on to complain that female officers at the department were treated as sexual objects and targets for verbal and physical harassment. So that's what we have. So she's back in the news again. Um, Guys, uh, Brett, start us off on this. You know, whatever happened... To that song, I am woman, hear me roar. Remember back in the <laughs> seventies? Remember that song? I am empowered. I am woman. But now, you know, and I don't buy her story. In this day and age, when women are so empowered to, you know, the the Me Too movement or the Pound Me Too movement or whatever it was, I can't remember. You know, don't tell me that she can't make a phone call to somebody to get this fixed. And she smells money, and maybe rightly so. But I think what happened? She got caught being a trollop. Can we say that on a radio, Trollop? I, I don't know can. what even words mean, Brett, but I mean, I can't even spell it. So Okay, it's a, tro- it's a throwback to an old. Anyway, she got caught. She's embarrassed. She smells money. And, and now that the, the, the chief got fired, I think this is going to really add to her case. All right, hold that thought. Commercial break. We will be right back. All right, guys, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement industry for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. Now, Motion DSP software, it's easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise. You can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automated tracking feature 
and forensic suite of enhancement filters. And you can achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. A spotlight was built specifically for redaction. It's designed to work with video from any camera source and using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, Spotlight automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, saving users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. And with forensic enhancement software, that allows you to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. You can get forensically valid evidence from low-quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products at MotionDSP.com. Again, check them out, MotionDSP.com. All right, hey, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, broadcast live from the Boss Hog Radio Network. You know, um, if we have thoroughly saturated and talked about that last topic, we're going to move on to our first component, our first news story with a video component. So look. For all of our podcast and radio listeners, we're going to describe in great detail what's going on in any video components so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And actually, this story was sent to me by none other than Captain Brett Bartlett. So uh, it's on Video Leak Police. That's the YouTube channel that it's on. And it comes from a body cam. And it's a fatal shooting. Man charged an officer with two Japanese, they call them SAI, uh, S-A-I. I don't know if it's like some kind of a samurai sword or whatever, but uh, it's Shibogan Police Department. This happened July the 2nd of 2020, but I think the video just came out. This morning, can you just have a seat for me? I, 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 can you just have a seat for me? Step back. You're going to get tased, bro. Step back. You're going to get tased. Step back. Step back. You will get shot. Shots fired, shots fired. 458 quarter, shots fired. Four So this Wisconsin Department of Justice, they released this body cam footage and surveillance video of, um, and you've got yeah, two different camera sources and photos of an officer-involved fatal shooting of Kevin O. Ruffin Jr. He's 32 years old by the Sheboygan Police Department. It's Officer Brian Prey. So this happens July the 2nd, 2020. It's 5.50 early in the morning. Officer Brian Prey makes contact with Rufin, our bad guy, who had these two Japanese swords, one in each hand. And without saying a word, this guy charges at the officer who backs up and he starts running away and it's in a circle. And this is when the officer-involved shooting occurs. Now, Officer Prey, he ends up, he actually deploys his taser, which astounds me. And look, you've got a body cam video. Uh, and it's kind of hard to tell. All you see is the, the cop running away from this dude. And, but then you've got a surveillance cam up high. So you actually get to see exactly what's going down. And it makes a little bit more sense. So Officer Prey deploys his taser first, but it's not effective. And then he fires six shot at Ruffin. Now listen to this. He fires the six shots while he's running from this guy. And, he's, and the way he's aiming, I'll let Captain Brett discuss that. But he ends up hitting the bad guy four out of the six times in the torso. And that's according to the autopsy report. And remember, they don't do autopsies of people that are alive. So Ruffin dies at the scene. Family members said he had mental health issues. Officer Brian Prey has two and a half years of service with this police department. And Shibokan County District Attorney has determined that the use of deadly force was reasonable and no charges are going to be filed against the officer, and arguably, rightfully so. So that's what we have, guys. We got over five minutes to, to, to go. Captain Bartlett. I'm sure glad that his shooting skills far outweigh his threat recognition skills. I can promise you this, Chip, Anthony, if somebody's running me with a Japanese sword, the taser's not going to be what's in my hand. It's going to be the gun. 
It's a horrible misreading. Now, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in or around a shooting, but the, at the end, the officer almost seemed like he was on the verge of panic, almost on the verge. And that female officer had to talk him down a little bit. So good for her. But yeah, uh, what a horrible misreading of, and, and a misuse and a mis, mischoice of the tools used to defeat the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I so what what uh, Brett's referring to as far as like the emotional breakdown. I mean, after um, after the officer uh, ends up shooting uh, Kevin, he's you know he's like gasping. He's like, I, 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 he's coming after me. He's coming after me, almost like you know justifying it um, and so forth. You know, obviously it's a pretty traumatic incident and and, and so forth. I, I think he showed actually, quite frank, a lot of humanity because it is, you know, it's a, it's a big deal to take another human's life. But um, unfortunately, he wasn't mentally ready for this encounter. He didn't start that day prepared to maybe take a life if he had to. Um, and so there's that, that mental fitness part of it. I think it was what was lacking. I think that's what Brett's kind of referring to too, but overall, you know, obviously he did a good job um, after he put that, he threw the taser down basically and transitioned to a firearm. And that's what yeah. saved his life. Now we had talked about this yesterday, Brett, about, um, about mentally preparing yourself and running through scenarios in your mind whether yes. on duty or, or off duty. So, uh, so I, I totally agree with what, with what, uh, Anthony and you, you were saying. That's exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Any, any good, any very good athlete or anybody involved in the, in the, the, the motor skills needs to do the, uh, the prep work by, uh, visualization, you know, close your eyes, see yourself on the street with a guy with a knife. What would you do? You walk into seven 11, you see with a gun held to the clerk, what would you do? You visualize you bit vi and you see yourself, winning the encounter. So, and then this is very unscientific. Okay. But that imprints, that imprints the idea of it into your brain. So if it happens for real, you already have an answer without having to dig for the answer. Brett, Brett, that's, that's not, that's not unscientific. That's hardcore science. That's called priming. There's a, there's books on this issue. Um, but it's absolutely one of the most valuable things that you can do is prime yourself for these encounters. So you're, you're, you're and you, and you have it loaded in your conscious brain so that when it does happen, if it does happen, your reaction time is cut quadruply. Right. And, this, and this is why a lot of officers, you know, some of them I've, I've been interviewed and some of them I've read about, you know, when asked about an encounter, they either have the they either uh, 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 remembered it wrong, at least initially, or don't remember it at all. It's because that part of your brain that handles that stuff tells the other part of your brain, you know, the part that does the checkbook. Right. Listen, you're not invited to the gunfight right now. I'll get with you later after about and that's and true. I'll get with you later after about two or three sleep cycles. But this is why you never that's why nobody should ever talk to the cops at the scene, because you may not remember it or you may remember it wrong. But if you don't have the plan in your brain, then you have to go to the checkbook brain and start making those choices. You should already have the choice right there. All right. So look, Gauls and Brett, open up that microphone. here. I want you to help me out with this. But look, Gauls. Uh, you know, they're the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. They have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty uh, duty boots and tactical gear. Uh, Gauls has been around for so long. I remember young in my, uh, in my law enforcement career, they were around then. If a cop's carrying gear on their belt, uh, they either got it from Gauls or Gauls carries it. Just a great, out, uh, a, a, just a great source for, uh, for law enforcement. Uh, what do you think about Gauls, Brett? Um, I bought a bunch of stuff for them. They are currently having, Chip, a sale, uh, free shipping on flashlights. I think it's over 175 bucks, which is, it, it, you know, it's, and that brings down the cost a lot. You know, you need to have a good flashlight. You need to have two because, you know, the rule now is one is none, two is one. Always have a spare flashlight with you. Perfect. Golfs.com slash Leo. Check them out. And again, 
Golfs.com slash Leo. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, broadcast live from the Boss Hog Radio Network Studios in Plant City, Florida. Um, guys, uh, yeah, vi- uh, Brett, that video you sent me, that was just, uh, that was wild. And actually, we have Sergeant uh, Sergeant George that's, you know, we're streaming the five different locations, you know, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and LinkedIn. And Sergeant George on there said that, uh, I guess it's a SAI, S-A-I, it's actually a Japanese dagger. So thanks, Sarge, for clearing that up for us. Yeah, I would have uh, thinking as a guy's coming at me, is that a katana? Is that a sigh? Is that a what is that? What is that coming at me? You know, it's going to, you know, uh, what I liked about that report was or that, that article at the end of it. They showed the report that they wrote very detailed, very factual. I really liked the way they broke it all down and they described movement and feet. And, and, and uh, they, could, they talked about when they saw a shot skip off the road. Very, very well written report. Wish all of them could be like that. Yeah, now, I'm with here's, you. Here's what doesn't happen. Here's what doesn't happen. Training is not going to be allowed to talk to that officer for the next few years about what did you see? What did you feel? What did you learn? What can we what can we do better? They're always afraid to talk to them because that's, you know, also now we have witnesses that can be brought into court. But it's a shame that they're going to let and, and agencies, most part, let those events go without critical um talk and discussion and learning so that we can do better next. What did we do good? What did we do wrong? Like a like a debrief is what you're. Yeah, it, but it's just not going to happen. It just it just you know because the civil suit's coming, right? It's coming. All right. Well, moving along, uh, we have another one here that's on Rumble, and I think it's the uh, best Rumble channel that's out there. This is Butter. They have I think the best uh, law enforcement videos around. So new video shows officer ramming a motorcyclist, then claiming that he crashed, and then he was fatally shot. So um. He's claiming that the motorcyclist crashed, not that he crashed into the motorcyclist. So, uh, again, we're going to describe in great detail what's going on in any kind of video components that are going on for any news story. Uh, But this video was obtained by Nine News, reveals that there's more behind a fatal shooting of a 41-year-old man who was suspected of stealing a motorcycle. This happened on February the 2nd. Littleton Police posted a press release saying that Stephen Poulson, 41 years old, was driving a motorcycle and he crashed during a call about a suspicious vehicle. Police said an officer eventually fatally shot Poulson because he produced a gun but the news release did not mention the crash involving the officer ramming his patrol unit in the Poulson before the shooting took place and there's a clear video of that going on so on wednesday nine news obtained cell phone video of security camera footage showing the officer ramming his patrol unit in the Poulson. Uh, littleton police then released a better quality file of the actual security about the discrepancy in their initial release so a spokesperson sent a statement saying that the initial press release was based on preliminary information, whatever that is, and I'm assuming what the police report. According to Littleton Police, an, out, uh, an outside investigation of several law enforcement agencies is reviewing uh, the incident. So that's where we're at on that. Um, I don't know if there's any surprises or shocks. Captain Bartlett. Don't lie. Once that officer lies, it doesn't really matter what happens to that. I used to tell our people, we can fix anything but a dead body and a lie. And we'll work hard on the dead body. We can't fix a lie. Anthony. Yeah, I think I'm, there might be just uh, an underplaying of what happened. You know, probably... 
but my concern is not my concern, but my teaching moment here is that when that officer rammed into that motorcycle, that was probably going to be deadly force, right? It's, you know, that vehicle, that 5,000 pound vehicle is likely on a motorcycle is likely to cause that person substantial bodily harm, maybe not death necessarily, but break a leg and so forth. So that officer would need to articulate that that person, um, that deadly force was authorized. And I, I don't, we don't know enough facts, but I, I doubt it. I doubt that deadly force was authorized at that point. And, you know, uh, that's why you're not allowed to, to pit a motorcycle. Remember, two years come. ago, one of our officers, well, we, uh, during the, the, the Matt Gill Fest years ago, and a, a car unintentionally ran into a motor officer of ours, ended up losing his leg all those years ago, all those years ago. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a lot of speed to do that. No, you know, I had it. I had an issue with that call because that was uh, Brian Dugan or, 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 or uh, um, first name is Brian. No, it was, uh, it was a different Dugan. Yeah. Not Brian Dugan. It was uh, yeah, Mark Dugan or whatever, but anyhow. Uh, uh, but yeah, he actually had just come and backed me up in a call where I had a towering guy had an issue with a motorist in a gas station. And I felt bad because had he not come to back me up, Dennis Dugan, Dennis Dugan, but had he not come to back me up, and he pulled out of the gas station parking lot after backing me up. And when I was going, you know, I think I was going 10, 15 with this guy. And as he's pulling out of the gas station parking lot, that's when he got, uh, uh, yeah, there was a row of cars in front of McDill Air Force Base. And uh, Dennis was riding his motor unit on the side, uh, you know, and, and I guess the car didn't see him and, and pulled out and just, and just nailed him. And he lost his leg. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. But now we're, we're uh, I told him, he found out years later, I had, I, I had felt guilty about that and he made me feel better about it. But uh, he actually said that it changed his whole life. He got involved in acting and all kinds of good things happened from his life uh, from that point forward uh, for a multiple other reasons that I won't get into. But, uh, but yeah. Um, Anthony, did you want to add something before we move on or? Nope. All right, guys. Well, look, uh, good commentary. Uh, moving along. I've got another one here uh, on Police One. A New York City mayor ends the COVID uh vaccine mandate for municipal workers, including NYPD cops. So that was a big thing in New York for so long. Cost a lot of people their jobs. Glad I was not active when this was going on because I did not get the vaccine. And I would hate to be in a position where I felt like I was being forced to. I know that my former agency, they were making people go by and get checks. I think it was weekly if you didn't get the vaccine. But New York municipal workers will no longer need to be vaccinated against COVID-19. And those fired for refusing to get immunized can reapply for their old jobs back, according to Mayor Eric Adams. And he did this announcement on Monday in a major pandemic policy reversal. The vaccine mandate for the municipal workforce, it's been in place since November of 2021, so that's a while. It'll officially end on Friday after the City Board of Health ratifies the move. Adams said in the statement uh, that it's it's uh, justified to lift the inoculation requirement because 96% of the city's more than 300,000 municipal workers are now fully vaccinated. Wow. And since the mandate took effect about um, just under 2,000 city workers have been terminated for flouting it, according to Mayor Adams, and nearly half of the uh, axed workers are believed to be Department of Education employees, and among them are also NYPD officers and uh, firefighters as well in New York. So um, major, major news. So if there's no comments on that, I'll move to our next one. Then, oh, Anthony, go ahead. Well, look, I just want to say, you know, it's not only that the people, you know, whether whatever position you have on the vaccines, but it's not only position that the, the people that lost their jobs, but a lot of people that took the vaccine under coercion lost their freedom to, to a small degree. So I don't know. It's just uh, it's just it's just crazy what we've been through as a as a society over this this issue. But so I'm glad it finally and, ended, yeah, especially with all the information coming out now. And I'm 
not going to be a Bible, you know, thumper. But uh, but when we first started doing the show covering this, when you know COVID was uh, you know, around what uh, late February or March of uh, 2020, man, I was on the other end of the. I was like, man, if people don't wear, wear don't want to wear a mask, you know, force them to put them in jail. And then three months later, when all the information about how masks don't work, and then the vaccine came out, and we found out about you know the vaccine that was supposed to prevent you from getting COVID, then it we found out all the truth behind it and stuff. It took only took me three months. I did a complete reversal, and uh, because I was more educated on the on the topic, and uh, yeah, it's, I feel like I've been like you know bouncing all over the place or the public. But either way, it's your choice, though. Either way, it's your choice, yeah. Chip. Well, yep. it, it, as it should be. You're right. So, guys, uh, moving along. Uh, we've got uh, some more good content coming up. So I've got another video here. And uh, again, on this news story, we'll cover in great detail what's going on in any video component. So it's on Rumble. This is Butters' channel. So this video shows, we got a couple like this. Video shows a car hit a Connecticut state trooper and a firefighter on Route 9. Man, this is a, it, it, it's, it's, it's a painful video. I don't think uh, we have, I think the firefighter ended up being seriously hurt. But it's a dash cam video showing the moment a driver uh, struck a state trooper and a firefighter on Wednesday morning as they were helping at the scene of an earlier crash. State police said the driver lost control of the vehicle. Video shows the dark-colored sedan veering into view from the left side of the frame. It skids backwards and sideways. So Cromwell firefighter John Anthony Bicking and Trooper William Atkins, they responded to an earlier uh, motor vehicle crash on Route 9, southbound near the uh, merge for Interstate 91. And so while they're, they're on scene, a 2014 Honda Accord lost control on a curved road, travels to the grass score area, enters from the side scene uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of the motor, of the accident scene. It strikes the firefighter. Remember, this thing's going backwards and sideways. It strikes the firefighter, Bicking and Trooper Atkins. The Honda comes to the rest off the right shoulder of the road, and it's in the grass at this time. Driver is not injured at all, of course. And the firefighter, Bicking, Seriously injured while the trooper sustained minor injuries. They're both taken to the hospital. The driver of the Honda, 43-year-old Manchester resident, was charged with numerous motor vehicle violations in the crash. And in the video, the rear of the car appears to strike the, one of the first responders who was blocked from view by the vehicle. Uh, and the collision appears to launch that person. You can see him flying through the air several feet uh, before he lands. It's just a horrible hit. Uh, less than a minute. Um, if there's any comments on that, I mean, just a just a... A heck of a crash. Right? I just wonder. I just wonder how these move over laws and these slow down laws are contributing to these things. Is obviously they picked that moment to lose control of their car. So were they trying to move over? Was somebody slowing down in front of them? Were they, were they just not paying attention? Which is always going to happen. But they picked that moment, and we have another one coming up to, to run off the road. Yeah, that other one's going to be uh, going to be something else. Uh, I'll uh, we'll get to that right after this commercial break. But guys. Stick with us. We're going to do a commercial break, and we will be right back. All right, so look, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and only company to offer a step-by-step program where they take you from, from your present knowledge level to become a safe, or become, I'm sorry, a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like Captain Brett Bartlett here. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can also get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard. It's one of the most 
firearm knowledge people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Brett did it, and look at him. He's all the better for it. They've even got a great quiz, gunlearn.com. Check it out. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, uh, broadcast live from the Boss Talk Radio studios. Hey, uh, back on uh, Rumble, this is Butters. I'm assuming we've exhausted that last uh, that last video, but I've got a similar one back on Rumble. This is Butters, the channel. Uh, video shows a car slide off-road, slam into Ohio State Highway Patrol cruisers. <laughs> So it's not the same video. Yes, it's happened um, somewhere else. And again, radio podcast listeners will describe in great detail what's going on. So this winter, the Ohio State Highway Patrol um, said that a trooper on uh, the uh, Batavia Post Cruiser was hit in Williamsburg. So they shared that a cruiser camera video of this incident um, that happened on January the 13th. The footage shows the trooper pulling over to check on a vehicle that was struck, that was um, stuck off on the side of the road. So while the trooper is checking the vehicle, a second vehicle appears to slide off the road and it slams into the trooper's cruiser, narrowly missing the trooper and the vehicle uh, he was checking on. There were minor injuries reported in the crash, but man, when this thing goes down and it hits the uh, hits the front end of that of that of that trooper's cruiser, wow! I mean, this could have been so much worse, Brett. I mean, the timing on this unbelievable. I, I was impressed with the trooper's response. Hey, uh, it. it, it, it <laughs> It should have been like, hey, uh, somebody hit my car, so I'm going to need a ride. And, and uh, you know, a cup of coffee would be nice while I'm out here working two crashes now. But, you know, somebody, that other car, I bet you, saw it, panicked, hit the brakes, and off they went. Wow. Yeah, look, I'm a, re- I'm a retired trooper. And uh, when I saw that car get hit, the first thing that I thought was that that was my car. That would have sucked because I probably would have been a loss of a good wax job. My car was always super clean, guys. I just, that was the way I roll. And I'm not trying to belittle or you know <laughs> underplay this, but man, I, I really had a nice car, so it just sucks. So, our troopers, this is what troopers are concerned about. Yeah, <laughs> that's that says that explains a lot, Captain Brett, doesn't it? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, our private little conversations in the hallways and locker rooms about you know state troopers and stuff—it just explains a lot. It's true. It's all true. It's all true. <laughs> troopers got a troop. <laughs> oh. I'm glad he's okay though. I'm glad. I'm glad he was here. the The other officer wasn't okay. The trooper in this case was okay, and that's good. Yeah, I, I agree. When I was a rookie, Chip riding with an FTO, we pulled over to help a trooper on Kennedy Boulevard all those years ago. We heard the driver getting mouthy with the trooper, and the trooper said, "If you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to shove the citation down your throat." And I turned to my training officer and said, "I'm new, but I know that's wrong." And all of a sudden, I heard a gag, and we looked over, and my <laughs> FTO said, "We got to go." So did oh, you guys get on the horse and just like take off real quick? Oh, the horse. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's a good horse. Thing, it's a good wow. thing tomorrow I'll forget you said that. Wow. <laughs> Anthony Troopers have got a great sense of humor. I mean, I'm impressed. And that was pretty good. I just like to laugh. I, I just, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. It goes right. both ways, right? You can make fun of me too. All right. Well, moving along here, let's jump back on police one. I've got another main uh, main story. Insist upon rookie excellence. So I left this one out. 
And uh, and I thought, man, we're, we're missing this article. So I, I, I went and found it, just pulled it up. So for the most part, the article says that we get it right for the most part. But sometimes we need the, uh, to staff open positions. Um, and, um, well, I guess the need to staff open positions can blind administrators. And he says that these are challenging times. Recruiting is not as easy as it used to be. Sometimes the emotional and financial investment can make thinning the applicant pool or cutting uh, underperformers a challenge. Uh, so, however, small problems can quickly add up to become bigger ones if you do not insist upon excellence. Agency leadership needs to remain objective and trust the judgment of the hiring process, academy staff, and FTOs, which, of course, are field training officers. If those folks notice a problem with a candidate or a new hire, it could be an issue lying in wait. So given the stakes, you need to trust the judgment of your training personnel and deal with small problems before they become big ones. You want the best of the best. Your community deserves it. And settling for anything less for the sake of numbers will only cause your agency problems. You're just hitting this right spot in the head. Anthony, start us off on this one. We're talking about liability. We're talking about excellence. We're talking about just a number of things all at the same time. Man, I, I cannot, I just, I love this topic. I'm sure the, the captain has a lot more to add to it, but let me give you my two cents. Number one is nothing is worse than having, instilling the responsibility for vetting these new guys during FTO. Having the FTO come to the agency and says, hey, we have a problem with John Doe. He, he's overly aggressive. He doesn't want to talk to people. Maybe some credibility issues. And the, and the agency goes like this. Okay, he's still breathing though, right? We need bodies on the road. It, I would rather work without the and work overtime than work with a person who turns into a slug who has the credibility issues maybe causes the next george floyd type incident because they're hot-headed they or they don't use good judgment um in other words here's my point if you do not insist on good people they can cost your agency millions of dollars in damages and public loss of public trust we already have it tough as it is we we need the best to work with and that and so i I like the article and i'm looking forward to what uh captain has to say well what i have to say is wow this guy he solved the problem chip we can (laughs) shut this station down we can go home he fixed it he wow hire good people oh you know here comes heart attack number three and my left arm is hurting um (laughs) wow wow pal Uh, you know uh Anybody could have written that. Anybody that reads a paper could have written that. But I, I, he's right, though. I just, you know, we knew this for a long time ago. I can't tell but you. But we don't do it. I know. I know it. Because, right. you know, even when but I was don't do anything show, about it, though. No. The, the, the chiefs and the show, sheriffs need yeah. to, to, to yeah. really instill this. You know? I, had, I had, not me, but I, I know stories, especially over the years, where somebody would quit or, or they just couldn't do it. And they would talk him back into coming back. Or they were getting ready to fire somebody. Oh, give them another week. It's such crap, but I agree with you, I, Anthony. I'd rather work short than work with a bunch of knuckleheads because the knuckleheads, you know, the old 80 20 rule is very much in effect here. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 20% absolutely. of the knuckleheads cause you 80% of your problem and probably more. Yep. It's just so yep. hard getting good. It's hard. It was hard getting good people back when everything was okay. It's just, a, it's just a nightmare now, but I agree with you. And what's it boiled down to, Chip? Training, training, training. And if I forgot to mention it, training. Thank you. Now, I'm kind of curious. So we recognize that this this is a problem. We we preach about it on the show for a long time. It's nice when we have when we're validated by articles like this. But just out of your out of your recent memory, look, I'm thinking about well, most recently Memphis. We know that we've got these five cops. I think almost all of them, if not uh, fast hires, because the city wanted to bypass the police department hiring standards and the academy and stuff. And they just say, hey, we got these five guys. 
throw them in, bypass your standards and training and stuff. And then they put them in a specialty unit to boot with one, two, three years on. I have no sympathy for Memphis. I mean, they, they did a, they did all the footwork to get to where they're at now. And then I think about uh, Minneapolis police department with, uh, with uh, Muhammad Noor. That's a Somali immigrant. They lowered standards to get him on the department from what we've read. And he shot uh, the Australian chick, Justine Damon, uh, when she was the complaining on the call in that, in that, in that alley at nighttime. Um, and, and he clammed up and he went to prison for it. Um, and, and those are just the two things off the top of my head that I can think about. I mean, there's more. Anthony? I, I have nothing to add to that. Yep. Well, but here I just read today, Chip, that those five other officers, there's a new complaint against them. They roughed up a veteran just uh, in the very recent past. Same kind of crap. You know, what do we got? Two and three year guys, crappy training, lowered standards, a feeling of entitlement, a specialty unit called Scorpion. And they're letting them wear masks while they're doing this stuff. Why would you need a mask if you're a uniformed officer other than you think you're better than everybody else and you wanted to hide your appearance? It all adds up to a crappy attitude and worse policing. Well, how about that that name Scorpion? I mean, for that specialty unit. I mean, it just gets better and better, the story. Well, what's what is the what is the, the root word of specialty? Special. I'm Look, special. I still like I was part of a I was part of a specialized unit. We didn't go with the Scorpion name. We just picked slugs and we liked it and worked for us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, was he yeah. serious? Come on. No, yes. <laughs> That's uh, that's the same the same name given to the highway workers. You know, the old joke is, "What's big? What's big? Yellow and sleep six a a, a Florida DOT truck." <laughs> wow, that was pretty. Anyway, funny. Captain Bartlett didn't even that night. Well, no, that was all all good content, guys. You know, we're coming up on uh, you know towards the end of the show, but there is something that I want to say um, about the wounded blue. Now, look, Ray, uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. Uh, retired from Las Vegas Metro Police Department. Uh, Randy founded the Wounded Blue at thewoundedblue.org, fantastic organization. So look, if you guys are looking for a charity to support that does some really great work, I mean, they're involved with everything from PTSD for uh, law enforcement officers, you know, active, retired, help them out, give them the resources they need. Uh, maybe uh, you're an officer or you know someone uh, whose agency, uh, you know, fired them because, uh, you know, maybe an accident or something happened on duty. They're not getting the medical help they need. You know, Randy helps out these kinds of people as well. If you want to volunteer and you've gone through something like this, maybe PTSD or some incident like this, you want to volunteer, help out at the Wounded Blue, contact them. Uh, they've got a cool store, all kinds of cool gear, uh, but we support them. I've supported them personally. Uh, Leo Roundtable supported them as well. A great organization. They're not going to embarrass you if you support them. I also want to give a shout out to Motion DSP for sponsoring us. GallsGunner.com, MyMedicare.Live, Bang Energy. A shout out to uh, Red Voice Media, Ray Dietrich. Thanks. Thanks.